Hello, everyone, and welcome to Enablement Amplified. I'm your host, Fiona Simpson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Enablement Amplified. I am super excited that Michelle Curtis is on the show today. We've been working to get this scheduled for a little while, but life happens. Hey, Michelle, how's it going? Hey, nice to see you after like three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourself and your sort of role in the enablement world. Yeah, sure. So I have been officially in enablement with an enablement title since 2016, but unofficially I've been doing it probably more closer to 2011, actually. So So, been doing it for a while. (laughs) And an OG of the OGs. I love it. And tell us, Michelle, what what if question you brought for us today? So my question is, what if our organizations had more trust in enablement? Ooh, I like it. I like it. I think that is a hot topic of discussion for a lot of people. But just to get us started, like, why does that matter? Why does it matter if our organizations have trust in enablement? I know that sounds really obvious, but I think it's a really good place to start. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about this from a sales perspective, as a seller, you're trying to sell to a customer or a potential customer. If that potential customer does not trust you, are they going to buy from you? No, probably not, right? So in enablement, if you, let's say, join an organization where people, well, let's start over really, because when we think about enablement in general, yes, we've gotten to be a pretty mature industry at this point. However, that's not necessarily the case for every organization on the planet, right? There are some organizations that have absolutely no idea what enablement is. They have never even heard it before. So when you're hired at one of these companies that maybe they have their senior leadership who want an enabler because they need a field trainer or something like that, that doesn't mean the rest of the company knows what an enabler does or who they are or what they're planning on doing. And this was the case for me pretty much every time I joined a company, honestly. I was joining as the as the brand new um, enablement person, right? So most of most of the companies they that I worked for, they didn't have enablement at all. So walking in, People are going to think to themselves, okay, so who is this person and what the heck is enablement and what, what is this person going to make me do? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> so, you know, to, like right off the bat, I feel like we're at a disadvantage because people fear what they don't know. Right. And so totally, I think that, you know, that's going to definitely have an effect on, on that, that trust right off the bat. I mean, there, there's really going to be little, little to no trust and In order to do our jobs well, or to really do our job at all, we do need at least some trust, right? Because in enablement, we do a lot of different things. We do training with those in the go-to-market teams. We do gap analysis. We do resource building, but we can't really do any of that if we don't have trust in the people that we're working with. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in some ways, if you think about it at a basic level, we're going around telling other people how to do their jobs. And people aren't going to to take your word for it if they don't understand where you're coming from, the authority that you've built, the trust that you've built. So I, I think it absolutely makes sense. What it what it sparks in mind and, and another conversation coming soon to enablement amplified is 
I think one way a lot of people have identified that we can build trust in enablement is having experience as a seller. That's one way. And I would argue, and not to not to foreshadow of upcoming episode, but you know, I think what that really gets back to is our sellers need to know that someone they're leaning on for support, that they're listening to for advice and coaching and training and everything else has experience on the front line, whatever that like might look like. And that can look like having carried a bag. That can look like having been an SDR or some other person hitting the phones. That could look like being on the CS side of the house, maybe, or whatever it is. But I think there's an area of been there, done that, if you will, right? But but how else, besides that kind of very obvious way, like you've been in my shoes before that starts the rapport, how else do we build the relationships that we need across the revenue organization to start building that trust? Yeah, I think you made a really good point before, but I do want to comment. I think that when it comes to showing the been there, done that, and I've done this before, I think that it's more than just we've carried a bag or we've been an SDR, because I would argue that as an enabler, you do have to be a seller because you are selling yourself, right? You're selling, totally. your, you're selling your, your services, you're selling your resources, you're selling your assistance, you're selling your expect, expertise. So I think that that's gonna definitely help, number one. So, I mean, you're 100% correct. I do, I, I just wanted to clarify. I've never <laughs> been a seller. So I neither. <laughs> I've never sold, except for, no, that's not true. In college, I worked at Bath and Body Works. And so I technically was a seller there, but not sure that that counts for those. <laughs> However, you know, having, having that expertise, just enabling at other organizations, I think has helped a lot. Uh, I think another thing too, and it's so simple, right? It's just listen. I think oftentimes when enablers go into a new position, oftentimes we really want to prove ourselves like, okay, we're here, we're going to get the work done and all of that. And we maybe want to have this drive to get stuff done and make immediate impact. And I would highly recommend if you're in the position where you're just starting in a new place, don't do that. I would say sit back and actually listen, like just talk to the people you're going to be serving, right? Get to know them, have a coffee, listen to their, what are some of their problems that they're facing? What are some of their, you know, that just pain in their side that they would love to get rid of? I think that listening and actively listening goes such a long way. Agreed. I mean, if we think about the idea, right, that in most senses enablement is like a business within the business and our customer is whatever part of the revenue org that we cover it's just like having discovery calls man like listen to your people your your customers and find out what their problems are and start to formulate the solutions but if you jump right in with the solutions ahead of time and you haven't listened and you haven't built that rapport, you're going to run into the same issues our sellers run into. I think it makes perfect sense. 100%, 100%. And this is a problem that I think sellers have as well, right? Because there are so many sellers who want to go in and share about how amazing their product is and all of this. And we don't want to do that as enablers to walk in and be like, well, I built the best onboarding program, this and that and the other thing. It's every company is different, just like every customer is different. And so we really need to take a step back take everything in, 
and really use that active listening skill that hopefully we're all developing and continuing to develop as we grow our careers in order to start to build some of that trust. Absolutely. I This is super top of mind for me. I just joined a new company within the last couple of months. And the first thing that I did is what I call a listening tour. I just scheduled time with all of the leaders that I serve and even with some of the sales reps and everything else to just sit down and, and literally the questions were going into 2024. What are your initiatives and projects and things you're looking forward to in 2024? Mm -hmm. What are your challenges? How can I help? Those yeah. were the three questions that I asked. And it's amazing that even within one team, within one organization, the varied answers that I got, but it also just the initial first contact, if you will, with those folks was this person is showing up for me and they want to help. A hundred percent. And I think that's where it has to start because that, that is literally our job is to help and support the initiatives of the organization. And it's not about, and it's just like for our sellers. It's not about our sellers. It's about the customers. It's not about us as enablers and how amazing we are and the great programs we can put together and how many kickoffs we've organized and the all the fancy stuff. That doesn't matter at the end of the day if we don't know what the needs are of our team. Yeah, no, you're so right. And and as I mentioned before, I mean, the, those needs are going to change from company to company, from team to team from literal person to person. So it is really important to take that time um, and, and to continue to take that time, right? I mean, I still, I've been at my company for almost a year and I still do random coffee chats that are just kind of gut checks, you know, and just like sanity checks. How are things going? Hey, we implemented that thing a few months ago. What do you think of it? How are you feeling about it? And to really take that feedback into consideration too. I mean, it's not just about like hearing them. It's about listening and then reacting appropriately based on what you're learning from them, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's really kind of step one is a lot of those fundamentals of building rapport and relationships, establishing you're on their side, you're here to help, their initiatives are your initiatives and so on. How do we kind of take things to the next level, right? We're established, maybe we've started doing some programming, how do we continue to hold that trust? And what comes to mind for me is sort of like proving our value totally. once we get rolling. But tell me a little bit about if we've built the relationship and built the trust, how do we make yep. it? 100%. So this is super important to me, and that is data. I think data is so, so very important in order to prove that. So anytime any type of initiative is rolled out, under my purview, I always do a benchmark, right? And looking at the metrics that I'm looking to affect, whether those be behavioral that are, you know, affecting lagging indicators like conversion rate or something like that, or whatever it is, kind of taking a snapshot of when we first begin the initiative, rolling out the initiative and taking a pulse check maybe three months in, and then post initiative, what did those metrics look like? And to be share that information with the teams to be like, hey, you guys, guess what? Our conversion rate from discovery to demo was 35% at the beginning of this year. Now we're at 55%. I mean, you can't really argue with data, right? right. And oh, oh, yes, it's true. A lot of the <laughs> a lot of the metrics that enablement is going to affect, it's not going to be direct from odds. It's like, I'm the only thing that affected this, but 
you know, thinking about like, if we hadn't done that, what would those metrics look like? Because I wasn't here last year. I could look at the same thing last year and see, was there that big of an increase in conversion rate? No. So could have been made, you know? (laughs) Jerry Farr did an excellent episode for us a couple months ago on exactly that topic. So check that one out if you haven't. But no, I, I think you're absolutely right that reinforcing your value comes down to something you can measure in a lot of ways. And we could have a whole, we could have an entire podcast show, many episodes about what to measure in enablement, but we will not go down that rabbit hole today because I, I hate personally data and I'm not good at it. So I don't like talking about it because then people find out I'm bad at it. <laughs> I just always make sure there's somebody else on the team who's a data freak. And I'm like, you're my person. Make me look good. Thank you. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so I need other people to help me prove my value and trust. <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit. And I'm going to pull back behind the curtain on enablement. I think it's the best kept secret about how we build trust with executives and leadership. You and I have talked about this before, but we start to become like this ear to what's happening, boots on the ground, if you will, right? We start to be this person that people rely on. Hey, what's going on with this team? Hey, how are the sellers feeling about this? Leadership starts to rely on us because we're in this very interesting place in the mix. But tell me your thoughts around what it means to kind of be that ear. What does that tell us about the trust that we've built with executives and leadership? Because I think it's actually a really critical piece of of how we stay top of mind as enablers. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so when you are building that trust, it's not necessarily going to be just with those that you serve, right? So at my company, I am in revenue enablement. I support and serve our sales lead uh, our sales teams i serve our sdrs i serve customer success and i serve our partners however i have also built really really strong relationships with our products team right i've built strong relationships with marketing and so to have those relationships and those relationships by the way span from you know marketing associate up to vp of I also think that the, it's not just the breadth, the, the breadth, it's the depth, right? We want to be a friend of everyone because you're right. We are those those boots on the ground, like we're sharing everything, right? And so with, exactly. the, with those virtual coffees that I have, it's not just with the sales team. It's going to be with every team to really uncover what's going on. What are the relationships looking like? Are there any silos being developed because we're not speaking to each other, et cetera. And so because enablement is that one function that kind of is it kind of affects everyone else and and it has we have our our hands and everything else leadership good leadership understands that that we have that access and that is why they can rely on us to provide them with all of that information that can help just make the company a stronger company in general I think it has to do almost with just the way that we're aligned in an organization where we're aligned to revenue or whatever it might be. But we just, the nature of our job is we have our hands in a little bit of everything and we just become that like hub amongst all the spokes. It's important not to be seen as the, I don't want to say gossip because that's silly, <laughs> but the the loud mouth that's going to tell leadership or like get marketing in trouble for doing something or whatever. First of all, that's not who we are as people. Second no. of all, I, I would argue. Second of all, I think it's also 
illustrating that we're a really good communicator and we're here to do what's best for all of the teams. And we just happen to be the person that's in the middle of all of the teams and gets to pass the information around. So it's it's a it's an inch, it's like a double-edged sword, but I, I think it's a really valuable piece of what we do in enablement. I, I do love that point you just made, honestly. I think that that's a really good point. And one of the things that I try to do personally is if I do, it's more, we're the ones who are hearing certain things that if it's something that could affect the company in a negative way, or it's not steering the company in the right direction, the way I usually handle that is not necessarily run to leadership and tattle and say, hey, you know, the marketing team said this about the sales team, et cetera. It's more about, hey, I want to start focusing on X, Y, and Z to ensure, you know, A, B, and C. So really focusing on solutioning versus like any of the, you know, those politics that happen in companies. It's, it's, it's more focusing on the solutions. And I think that, I think enablement is really, really good at that or should be really, really good at that. You know, definitely uncovering problems, but let's only talk about the, the solutions. We're the ones who are gonna come up with them and then share with, share them test it out, and then iterate as need be. Yeah. And I think we also end up being in the position of like, hey, I'm hearing this over here and this team is working on this. Let me pull those together. And that's yeah. so valuable. I mean, that by itself, like the awareness of what's going on in the organization, I think that by itself builds a lot of trust with people. Did you know that Enablement Amplified is an entirely community-generated podcast? What does that mean? It means that the podcast is fully supported by our members who contribute monthly to help with the cost of running a podcast. If you're interested in becoming a member, simply go to enablementamplified.com and click membership. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Now let's dive back in. So let's take a step back and think about what if our organizations had more trust in enablement? What would happen? What would that look like on the other side we wake up tomorrow and everybody fully trusts enablement. What does that world look like? <laughs> it's like a dream world, isn't it? <laughs> um, you know, I will say at, again, at the company that I'm at, I'm lucky enough where team does trust me. They have full trust in enablement. So it actually has really been a dream. Right from the beginning, I was able to hear people's thoughts about the company, about process, about what's going on, where where can we make improvements, et cetera. People were very, very open about that, which made my job a lot easier because then I don't have to spend hours and hours and hours investigating in the data what's going on when people are very open to sharing all of that information mm -hmm. with me. So I think that, you know, for starters, an enablement ramp time would go down dramatically because it, it yeah. could take a very long time if you're in a company where they're just like, oh, but our trainer is here. And, you know, <laughs> you know, okay, yes, but we do other things too. It takes a long time to really get a sense of of the business and, and where those improvements should be made and how to increase that revenue. So I would say certainly a very, very quick ramp time, which would be fabulous. I think the other thing too, is we would see results a hell of a lot quicker, especially when we're thinking about you know, going back to training, if we're training all of these sellers, if they actually go to the training and are open-minded and learn, we'll see immediate impact if they actually implement those learnings, right? Oftentimes, I think that we've 
all experienced where people come to trainings and they're, you know, messaging on Slack or writing emails, not paying attention and then not implementing what they learned and we're not going to see it there. So certainly quicker impact as well. Overall, I mean, just, I think that it, it would also help break silos faster. If there are silos to begin with, it would create more open communication, more transparency. I mean, I, I could go on, honestly. <laughs> well, I think it also creates a better environment for everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. For and sure. I, I like what you said about the ramp time because it's really, it's hard enough as it is if you're in this situation, I use this analogy all the time, but like if you're in the situation of building the bridge as you're driving across it, that's mm. hard enough to do by itself. And if you don't have the buy-in and if you don't have the trust in the organization while you're doing that, you're spending just as much time convincing everybody that what you're doing is important as you are actually doing those things that are important. So I, I'm with you on that 100%. Any like pitfalls or any areas that you think that people should be careful in when they're thinking about building trust in their organization? So as far as pitfalls go, I, the only thing I can think of is to make sure that you are genuine and authentic. Mm. If you don't come off that way, it could be taken in a more negative way like oh this person's just trying to befriend me so that I'll go to all of her trainings or something like that but right I, you know authenticity is super important in, in relationship building we all know this and you know being genuine and the more the merit the, the more cut that out <laughs> or we can we can show our authentic genuine self I think the more trust we are going to gain in those people that we're trying to get it from yeah I, I agree with that. I think the authenticity piece is, is critical. And the good news is I think we find that people that step into enablement roles generally have that. But it's just something to keep in mind that it kind of goes back to learning with people, right? And listening to them and how they interact and what resonates with them. If you can tune into that and communicate with those individuals in a way that connects with them, it just builds that authenticity, right? Exactly. I like that a lot. Well, I am excited that hopefully more and more of us are coming into a world where our organizations do have trust in what we're doing. But I certainly think that some of the things we've already talked about help get us there if we don't have that already. Well, Michelle, I think this has been so valuable. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Before I let you go, this is Enablement Amplified after all, and we'd love to amplify folks that come on the show. So tell us a little bit about what you're up to and how we can support that. Yeah, sure. So, you know, at my company, I am building an onboarding program, which is super exciting. So any ideas, feel free to throw them my way. And as far as my enablement career, I've actually taken up a volunteer position with the Enablement Squad. So I have them as one of their event leads. So I'm super excited about that. I'm also doing a lot of partnering with the Revenue Enablement Society, specifically the New York City chapter. So really, I'm just trying to get my name out there, get my ideas out there, and also offer my assistance for any 
any of those enablers who are brand new to the industry, even if you've been in it for years, I've already mentored a couple of people and I was, I'm so proud to say that one of them, we were able to get her a uh, position in the enablement world. So I'm super excited about that. But yeah, just, I, I'm always open to, to networking and meeting uh, fellow enablers. So please uh, come my way, sneak into my DMs. <laughs> and I can, I can tell you from personal experience, Michelle is great to connect with on LinkedIn in the enablement squad Slack group. Like she's always got great suggestions and solutions as people bring up their, their challenges. So um, definitely connect with Michelle there. And in addition to amplifying you, we always like to pay it forward. So who else in the enablement space can we amplify? Yeah, so I'm going to say 100% my new friend as of last year, Mr. Phil Putnam. Many of you, I'm sure, know and love Phil. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Phil last year at the Sales Enablement Collective in New York. And since then, we've done a couple of brainstorming groups. We've done a couple of happy hours and he is just phenomenal. If you are ever in need of a coach, he is your man 100%. Or if you just want to chat with somebody who's just really wicked smart and yeah. just really great, he is he is the person to reach out to for sure. And if you ever want or need a reminder that like you are a valuable human being first and foremost, go okay. on Phil's LinkedIn. I'll link it in the show notes. Phil just has such a great way of reminding us that yes, there are all these incredible things that we're doing and we're working so hard and we're doing all these great things. But at the end of the day, we are valuable human beings first and it's what matters. Phil is a great guy. I'm so glad you shouted him out on the show. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time diving into that trust building component of being an enablement function. Great to see you. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Fiona. Pleasure to be here. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and comment on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to our email list at www.enablementamplified.com to get every new episode delivered right to your inbox. As always, thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Fiona Simpson. Take care.